Tech Writer Worldwide. It's the High Tech Podcast in plain English with an hour's worth of news in about 20 minutes. That's because we leave out the commercials, the station breaks, the sports, and most of the jingles. Podcast number 671 for the 8th of December, 2019. This week, with consistently increasing prices for cable television, maybe you're thinking about dropping the television part of your cable bill and improving the internet part. I'll describe my first timid steps in that direction. In short circuits, cellular service providers are beginning to roll out 5G gear, but your phone probably won't support it, and the service is still spotty. There's a better Windows Explorer than Windows Explorer, and it's free. In spare parts, which you'll find only on the website, when you schedule a meeting with someone in a distant locale, sometimes it's a challenge to find out what time it is there. If you're thinking about installing a disk upgrade in an existing computer or replacing a computer, I have a list of several applications that'll help you make the move with ease. And 20 years ago, threats of Y2K disasters were hovering, and scammers saw a way to make some money from the fears. Woot, which is a division of Amazon, offered the Amazon Fire TV Stick for half price in mid-October. And even though I don't watch a lot of television, $20 seemed like a reasonable expense for something that might turn out to be useful. You don't need a smart television to use the Fire TV stick, just a television with an open HDMI port. That's something that nearly every television has today, really. A Google search for cheapest flat-screen TV turned up the Insignia 22-inch 1080p HDTV for $60 at Best Buy. Even this low-end television has one USB input and two HDMI inputs. Anyone who doesn't have a smart TV but would like to have some of the free streaming options that are available on those types of televisions can use the Fire TV a larger and more expensive set-top box, or the Fire TV Stick. Setup is about as easy as it gets. You'll find the device that plugs into an HDMI port on the television in the box, along with a short extension cable that can be used if there's insufficient room to plug in the adapter directly, a USB cable, a power supply, a remote control, and two batteries. Now wait, don't insert the batteries just yet. Start with the power supply. Plug it into a wall outlet, then attach it to the device that plugs into the television. Plug the adapter into the television using the short extension cable if you need it. Then turn the television on and select the appropriate HDMI input. Now it's time for the batteries. Now, If you inserted them earlier, just take them out, wait a few seconds, and put them back in. You'll see some on-screen prompts to guide you the rest of the way through the setup, which involves logging on to the Wi-Fi router. And, well, that's it. Really, that's all there is to it. What you receive with the Fire TV is kind of a mixed bag. If you subscribe to Amazon Prime, you'll have access to all of the Amazon Prime videos and Amazon Music. In addition, you'll find services that are free, such as YouTube, Vimeo, and iHeartRadio. 
And you'll find a lot that may have free or free trial options, but that you'll eventually have to pay for. These include things like ESPN, CBS All Access, Hulu, Showtime, Spotify, and a lot more. For many people, a device such as this is the first step in eliminating satellite or cable television service. Anyone who lives in a metro area of any size will have access to over-the-air television signals, even with an indoor antenna. So cable isn't needed for those channels. Where I live, some 50 television signals from 15 locations are available, although some would require the use of an outdoor antenna. In addition to the usual network and local programming on a station's primary signal, most also transmit secondary signals. For example, the NBC affiliate here also transmits Court TV, Ion Television, and Laugh. The ABC affiliate adds MyTV and Antenna TV. The CBS affiliate has MeTV and Decades, in addition to the primary network programming. And the PBS station also transmits PBS Ohio and Create. Telemundo, Azteca, and other signals are available, and several out-of-town signals could be picked up if I had an outdoor antenna. So over-the-air television delivers ABC, CBS, NBC, Fox, PBS, and The CW in pretty much all metro areas. The secondary channels vary from one area to another. If you're someone who primarily views network programming, the free streaming channels provided by the Fire TV Stick are a good complement to what you can receive over the air. If you spend more time with cable-based channels, you'll probably want to add a service like Hulu, which has its own original programming, in addition to providing access to services typically found on cable. Hulu has two plans. One costs $6 per month for, as Hulu describes it, unlimited access to the Hulu streaming library with limited or no ads and full seasons of exclusive series, hit movies, Hulu originals, kid shows, and more. Because there is no free option, it's not exactly clear how limited or no ads compares to anything. The other plan costs $45 a month, but it still has limited ads. Subscribers can stream more than 60 live and on-demand TV channels and record up to 50 hours of programming in cloud-based storage. HBO, Showtime, Cinemax, and Stars can all be added to the plan for additional fees, so the offerings compare favorably to those found on cable television. Anyone who's tired of spending $1,500 or more per year just for cable, in addition to what they pay for internet access, do have some choices. One option that many people ignore is simply telling the cable provider that the cost is too high. It is possible to get a worthwhile discount simply by speaking up. But there's more. If much of your television time involves watching movies, there's a great alternative right down the street. Your public library probably has hundreds or thousands of DVDs you can take home and watch for free. Another free option is Crackle. It's owned by Sony, and each month there's a limited number of full-length motion pictures that you can stream for free. There may be an ad or two inserted, but it's not a bad deal. And Popcorn Flicks has about 1,500 films you can view on the computer or on a smart television. For now, though, I'm enjoying the Fire TV Stick. I found that YouTube has a bunch of videos with birds, squirrels, fish, chipmunks, and cats that are intended for viewing by, well, by cats. How is it that cats get their own television channels these days?
Chloe Cat finds the fish amusing, likes the birds, she's excited by the squirrels, but the chipmunks are her favorites. And recently she was watching a video of a cat playing with a toy that neither of us had seen before, and she let me know she wanted one of those toys. Related not at all to cat toys, but to people toys, if you have an Android or iOS device, you can download a Fire TV Stick remote control application, and it'll come in handy if you misplace the remote control that came with the device. The remote control is relatively small, and as I found, it's easy to misplace. So I've installed the app on both my Android phone and my iOS tablet. I've been watching more television since installing the Fire TV Stick, but Chloe Cat has been watching so much television that I'm concerned about having an addicted cat. For me, a lot of the new viewing time has been with Walt Longmire, the fictional sheriff of a fictional county in Wyoming. I had read several of Craig Johnson's Longmire novels, and I wanted to see how the television version compared. Well, except for having some people with the same names as in the books, there's really not a lot of similarity between the books and the television series. But that always seems to be the case, doesn't it? So the bottom line here is four cats for the Fire TV Stick, which is a clever little device that makes any television smarter. If you have a 4K television, you'll probably want the Fire TV Stick 4K that sells for $50 instead of the second generation 1080p version for $10 less, or for just $20 if you can find a sale. Combine the stick with a good antenna, and the selections might be enough that you can discontinue your cable TV service. If not, adding a plan such as the one from Hulu might be sufficient. You will, of course, still need an internet connection, though. You'll find additional details on the Amazon website. There's a link from the TechBiter Worldwide website, www.techbiter.com. If you find these podcasts useful, and I hope you do, might you consider a donation? There are no ads here, and support from listeners is the sole source of income. It's easy. Just visit the website and click the Donate button near the top of any page. You can make a one-time donation or schedule a repeating donation every month. I thank you. And so does the cat. In short circuits, a question. Will your phone support 5G? The short answer is probably not, but there might be a better question, and that question would be, do you really need 5G? With few exceptions, most phones being sold now don't support 5G. And with equally few exceptions, most mobile phone users don't really need it. Yet. About, I'll say half a dozen or so phones support 5G, and the high-speed service will be available in only 30 to 40 cities by the end of the year, and even then in just parts of those cities. Verizon promises to be active in 30 cities by the 1st of January 2020. T-Mobile claims that its 5G services will cover metro areas where 60% of the U.S. population lives. There is a certain amount of panic about 5G technology, too, much of it encouraged by sources in Russia. Reports by RT America have been picked up by conspiracy nuts, 
not to put too fine a point on it, keep in mind that the RT in the service's name stands for Russia Today, and one of the service's primary goals is to do anything possible to create dissent and confusion in the United States. The towers used by 5G technology are closer together, and they're generally much shorter than the current widely spaced tall towers used by today's technology. Some of the 5G towers near me are freestanding poles about 30 feet tall. They're painted black. In some areas, 5G equipment is also mounted on street lamp poles. Towers need to be closer together because one of the technologies used for 5G places the signals in the 20 to 60 gigahertz range. These are extremely high frequencies with wavelengths ranging from about 5 millimeters at 60 gigahertz to 15 millimeters at 20 gigahertz. The T-Mobile 5G signals will be in the 600 megahertz range with wavelengths around half a meter. The extremely short wavelengths mean that signals won't travel as far as today's 4G signals, and that explains why towers will be closer to each other. The signals also don't penetrate buildings as well as AM and FM radio, television, and current cellular signals. That's the second reason the 5G towers need to be closer together. Because 5G towers need to be situated so close to each other, several hundred feet apart perhaps, the new service will be used only in urban areas. So if you decide you need faster speeds offered by 5G, you'll probably need a new phone, unless you already have a Samsung Galaxy Note 10, Galaxy S10, Galaxy Fold or Galaxy A90, an LG V50 ThinQ, Motorola Moto Z3 or Z4 with a 5G module, and some Moto Z2 phones with a 5G module. Other phones that support 5G include the Huawei Mate X and Mate 20X and Xiaomi Mi Mix 3, and there are a few others from much smaller manufacturers. The 5G plans will be more expensive than the current 4G LTE plans that are widely available and more than adequate for what most users need currently. 5G data rates can be as much as 100 times faster than 4G. Phones that offer 5G service will also be capable of operating on 4G systems because the 5G systems will be available only in metro areas. A report by Ericsson, the Ericsson Mobility Report, says there are now about 13 million 5G subscribers, even with the limited number of phones, and that 5G networks will carry nearly half of the world's data within six years. So is it any wonder that Russia has established a disinformation campaign that's intended to slow development in the United States, while both China and Russia move ahead to expand their 5G networks? The United States is already far behind the rest of the world in available Internet speeds and costs. We pay more for slower connections, and both Moscow and Beijing are quite happy for things to remain exactly that way. The Ericsson Report says that mobile data traffic grew 68% from the third quarter of 2018 until the end of the third quarter 2019. It suggests that mobile traffic will grow by 27% annually, at least until 2025, and that video will be slightly more than three-quarters of the data on the network. Video uses more bandwidth than phone conversations and website traffic, of course, and far more data than email or SMS text messaging. 
Current 4G technology is up to 10 times faster than 3G, and that's a huge difference. Consider what a 100 times increase over the current standard would mean. It's also worth noting that the terms 4G and 4G LTE are often used as synonyms, but they are not the same. LTE stands for long-term evolution. It is a special kind of 4G. AT&T, Verizon, T-Mobile, and Sprint all have active 5G networks, but major limitations still exist. To be able to use 5G now, you'll need to have the right plan from the right provider who just happens to have a 5G tower near your location, and you'll need to have one of the phones that can operate on the 5G network. Some providers play a little loose with the branding. AT&T has phones with 5GE logos. These phones are not really 5G phones, and 5GE stands for 5G Evolution. With a name like that, it's no wonder that a lot of AT&T subscribers think they already have 5G service. The phones have expanded LTE capabilities, but the data rates come nowhere near what true 5G will provide, and sometimes they actually fall short of the company's 4G LTE data rates. Okay, so even though it's far too late to make a long story short, here it is. 5G is coming. It's not really here yet, so don't turn in a perfectly good phone to buy a 5G model just yet. And when somebody tries to pass off some fake science that says radio waves are dangerous, point them to Live Science and The New York Times. I have links to both of those sites from the TechBiter Worldwide website this week, www.techbiter.com. Windows comes with a perfectly good file explorer, so why should you download and install another file explorer? That's a reasonable question, and it speaks to the definition of perfectly good. Sometimes perfectly good isn't enough, and you'll need exceptional instead. If you need to drill down through a bunch of directories to run a file or delete a file, the Windows app is perfectly fine. If you want to move files from one directory to another, or compare directories, it comes up short. That's because the Windows Explorer shows only a single directory at a time. Now wait, yes, I know you can open one instance of the Explorer, then open another instance of the Explorer, and move them around so they're side by side, or even pin them to the left and right sides of the monitor. But Qtr can display two directories side by side without any of that. It can also display three directories, or even four. And better still, Qtr plays favorites. If you have directories that you visit frequently, open them once in Qtr and then define that arrangement as a favorite. Here's an example. Most of the development work for TechBiter occurs on the computer's D drive in a directory I have ever so cleverly named Websites Dev, while the website files that get uploaded to the server are on the E drive in a directory called htdocs. It's not uncommon for me to need access to both of those directories simultaneously, so there's an entry in my Qtr favorites list to do exactly that. Other favorites include the Windows app data directory on one side and a list of all mounted drives on the other, and a link to all mounted drives on one side and the network attached storage drive on the other. Qtr has been around since about 2006, and it comes with a cautionary message. Warning, once Qtr, always Qtr. 
That's certainly been the case for me. Having tried this file browser once, I installed it on every computer, and it's in my initial setup for every new computer. So maybe you're interested now, and you wonder just how much you'll need to pay for this Windows Explorer replacement. Well, it's provided as freeware, although the author does accept donations. He also offers a bunch of other free applications on his Software OK website. You'll find a link to that from the TechBiter Worldwide website. Ninad Herg, and I hope I said that sort of at least almost correctly, is the developer. The application goes well beyond the basics of just being a file explorer. The ability to display thumbnails in one panel, icons in another, and file details in still another makes the little utility program even more useful. The color coding is helpful, too. Colors can be set by the user. Buttons at the top of the application allow users to choose how many panels are displayed and how they're arranged. So if you occasionally wish there was a better alternative to the Windows File Explorer, there is, and cuter is it. You know, you can explore spare parts without a file explorer, but you do need a browser because that section is only on the website. This week's stories, when you schedule a meeting with someone in a distant locale, sometimes it's a challenge to find out what time it is there. If you're thinking about installing a disk upgrade in an existing computer or replacing a computer, I have a list of several applications that'll help you make that move with ease. And 20 years ago, threats of Y2K disasters were hovering, and scammers saw a way to make some money from those fears. Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide, the podcast with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. I'm Bill Blinn. Be sure to check out the website, www.techbiter.com. And if you like, send me an email from there. See you next week.